feel like preaching today? Anybody hungry? We're coming from John chapter 8. I want to say today from the very bottom of my heart, we're in this series and I mean it. Welcome home. I'm glad to be back, but I'm glad that you're here. If you're visiting, we want you to know that we want you to become a part of this family and join this thriving, growing family. We love people in this house. I don't care if you're struggling. I don't care if you've been through some stuff. How many are glad to be in a church where we love folk? We just, we love you in this house. And there's a place here for you and your family, and we're so glad to welcome you home. I'm going to come from John chapter 8 today, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. You by live stream, thank you for being with us. You honor us by being a part of our church online. We love you. Verse 1, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees, watch this now, brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in his midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught, don't miss this now, in adultery, watch these four words, in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. They were trying to entrap him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Mm. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Oh, man, I wish I would have been there. Wouldn't you like to just peeked over his shoulder? Then those who heard it, being convicted in their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest. This isn't my, in my sermon, but some of y'all old folk ought to know better. Come on. Beginning with the oldest, even to the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up, and saw no one but the woman. He said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Oh, hallelujah, watch. A passage of scripture. This woman is standing before Jesus. She's been caught in the very act of adultery and people may have gathered with their stones and they're about to do her in. And I want to take for a few minutes and preach along these lines, a stone's throw away. She was just a stone's throw away from being judged. She was just a stone's throw away from certain death. 
but she was in the presence of Jesus. So she was just a stone's throw away from redemption. She was just a stone's throw away from a brand new life. For you to find a stone's throw away, a stone's throw away is defined as just a short distance nearby, close at hand. Does anybody believe that your new season is close at hand? Come on. Your miracle is close at hand. If you do, precious, just slip up your hands and let's invite the Lord to teach us today through his word. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you've got something significant to say to your people. Lord, I pray today people who've come home, who've walked in this house and found a home would realize, Lord, that we are here as living witnesses and testimonies that though we've been guilty in the past, our sin has been erased because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we put down our stones and we raise up our hands and we say thank you for your goodness in our lives. Now, if you love the Lord and you're grateful for grace, come on, give him the ovation of the morning. Give him a shout of praise if you love him. All right, before you sit down, tell two or three people, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I want to teach for a few minutes along these lines, precious, a stone's throw away. Again, a stone's throw away can be defined as a, just a short distance, close at hand, very near. This woman caught in the act of adultery is brought and thrust before the feet of Jesus. And in that moment, it seems as if she's just a stone throw away from certain death. But here she is in the presence of the one who was able to change her whole life. To me, this is one of the most awesome and profound scriptures in all of the Bible. Really, to me, y'all, it's a beautiful passage because it's saturated and it's significant because it has so much theological truth. Here in this moment, we see Jesus at his best. We see him at his wisest, his godliest, his humblest. But we also see here, he operates in sheer grace, sheer compassion, and absolute authority. He wasn't going to be outdone or manipulated by these religious rascals called the Pharisees. In this story, I want you to go there with me in the theater of your mind. This woman is thrust before the Lord Jesus. It seems that she has taken from a moment of private passion right into public humiliation. In a matter of minutes, her life has turned on a dime. She's dragged before the onlookers and she's dragged beyond the, before the religious folks and maybe not much more than just a gown, almost naked. And she's thrown at the feet of a pure and holy Jesus. She's dragged maybe by her hair or by her clothes and she's thrown by, at the feet of a pure and holy Jesus, not even realizing in that moment because they threw her at the feet of Jesus that that was the very best place she could have arrived. That was the very best and safest place she could have arrived. See, every sinner needs to know, precious, when they walk through the doors of our church that they've come to the best and safest place because Jesus is here. It doesn't matter what your struggle is. It doesn't matter how far you've fallen. It doesn't matter how deep in the pit you've gotten. When you walk through the doors of this church, this is a safe place. This is a place where Jesus is, so anything is possible. This is a place where drug addicts are delivered and broken marriages are put together. This is, people, this is a place where people on the bottom can find themselves an opportunity to be saved and delivered and set free. 
Anybody glad to be in a place that it's a safe place? If you're glad, give the Lord a praise right now. Oh, precious, that's really what's at the very core of this message this morning. What happens when you get any and all sinners to the feet of Jesus? See, I want this to be a place of hope. I want it to be a place of healing. I want it to be a place of help and restoration. This is a place where I want people to come and realize they can get to the feet of Jesus because when they get to the feet of Jesus, just like we all have to get there, we can experience the promise of eternal life. Now the issue and the dilemma to me in this story is very plain. I see it in this story because here she is. She's brought before Christ, but she's also brought before the critics. She is standing between Christ and the critics. And these critics are none other than the fiercest rivals of Jesus. They are the Pharisees. In this day, they were about 6,000 strong, and they were in direct opposition of Jesus. In fact, if you look at the word Pharisee, the root word for the word Pharisee is Paris. It means to, dis- to be distinct, to declare, but watch. It means to sting, to pierce, and to scatter. Hear me. It's not bad for us to be distinct. It's not bad for us to be declarers because we have something to declare and we do need to be separate and come out from the world and not be like the world. But let me tell you something. If you have a brand of Christianity that makes you mean and piercing and hurtful and divisive and wounded, if you have a brand of Christianity that makes you better than everyone else, then I'm afraid that you have embraced the concepts and mindsets of a modern day Pharisee and God can't really use you if that's your mentality. I'm afraid that so many of people have come to churches in America and around the world today and they found themselves caught between Christ and the critics. These teachers of the law were the most religious in society. They talked to good gain but they didn't live a life that backed it up. These were the ones who should have been filled with love and compassion. They should have recognized Jesus. They spent their lives preparing for the coming of the Messiah. But when he manifested, they didn't even know who he was. They should have been sensitive. They should have been compassionate. But they were critics. They condemned. They cursed. They destroyed. They mocked. They humiliated this woman. They were proud. They were arrogant. They were ruthless. They were controlling. They were hypocritical. They they, they, Here's what I believe. They had the the unholy trinity. And we see it even here in churches today and around the world. It's the the people who are ultra-religious, super-religious. They are ultra-spiritual. They are ultra-critical. That's the unholy trinity. I see it in churches where people are so religious that they don't have any room for folks who are struggling. They are so spiritual that they don't have any room for people who are caught in sin. They are so critical that they are never satisfied with anything that goes on in the house but I believe that God is gathering a people in this place in the last days that we don't want that super spiritual ultra critical ultra divisive mentality but we understand the power of grace sinners so often arrive in our churches and find themselves caught between Christ 
and the critics. Hear me in this room. Be careful that you don't become a religious critic. Do you know any religious critics? They judge everything and everybody. They come to church and they judge the whole service. There may be a few here today. Look in your section and see if you can figure out who it is. Critics are so busy judging the music that they never worship the Lord. Oh, it's quiet in here. They're so busy judging the song. They're just like, I'll give that song a four. I'll give that song a five. Oh, that was a good song. I'll give that a nine. I didn't like that when they're so busy judging the music that they never worship the Lord. Critics are so busy judging the preacher that they never receive the word. They're so busy judging the people in the room that they miss the Holy Spirit when he falls and Jesus walks in. God will always deal with people who have a critical spirit. And one side note, any preacher worth his salt is going to have to deal with critics. There's not a minister who's made it in the gospel and who's been able to do anything significant that did not have to deal with critics. If you're a preacher and you're watching me, listen, you're going to have to deal with critics. I've been at this for decades, and I've had critics that have criticized. Church is growing, but they're still criticizing. Folks are being saved, but they're still criticizing. We're having powerful worship, but they're still criticizing. We're starting campuses, but they're still criticizing. Revival is happening but they're still criticizing. Altars are packed, but they're still criticizing. People are getting healed, but they're still criticizing. You know what I say to the critics? Shh. I, you know, in my spirit, I just hit the mute button. And here's the reality. Some of you are dealing with critics right now. And here's the good news. We don't answer to the critics. We answer to Christ. So I ain't worried about what the critics say. I dare somebody right now, if you wanna get over the critics, make a little noise right now. Some of y'all are dealing with critics in your family. Some of y'all are dealing with critics in your life. Some of you are dealing with critics on the job. But at the end of the day, you don't answer to the critics. You answer to the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, these critics in this story, it, it seems like a contest between these pharisaical critics and this wonderful Jesus. In the fourth verse, it said, they said to him, teacher, this woman, this, this woman, doesn't even give her a name. Wanting to identify her by her issue. Come on. This woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, don't miss this. It ain't like, according to Levitical law, because this was a capital offense. This was punishable by death. So to be caught in the very act was a very big deal. It wasn't like, yeah, we drove by the hotel 
and we saw their cars parked out front. Y'all ain't saying nothing. It ain't like we saw them going into the room or we saw them walking out or we saw them having dinner at Arby's, come on. It literally means you had to catch them in the very act of adultery. You had to see them in the very act. It wasn't even enough to see them laying in the bed together. Y'all ain't saying nothing. According to Levitical law, they had to see the very act. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is this most actually was a setup. They, the, the woman had been set up and they were trying to entrap Jesus. It was a setup. The Bible said, now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, testing him, testing him, that they might have something in which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Don't miss this. They're wanting to entrap Jesus because adultery is a capital offense and the issue is here, they wanted to put Christ in this dilemma and the dilemma was this, according to Jewish law, this woman needed to be stoned right then and there but according to Roman law, they weren't allowed to kill somebody because the Jews were subject to the Romans and they couldn't enforce a death penalty without permission from the Romans. So they think they're gonna catch Jesus in a dilemma. Will you obey Roman law or will you obey Jewish law? Will you obey Roman law and let her go or will you obey Jewish law and kill her? But what they failed to make room for was the X factor. Now the X factor is defined as a variable in a situation that can have the most significant impact on the outcome. They didn't take into the account that there was an X factor. The X factor the Pharisees missed and all professional religious people miss is grace. Oh, I wish I could find somebody that would help me a little bit. Who would admit that the X factor in your life always has been and always will be grace. Can I find some people to talk to today? Who would admit that you wouldn't be here today were it not for the X factor of grace? You wouldn't be where you are this morning were it not for grace. See, that's why people don't understand the magnitude of your gratitude. They don't understand why you praise like you praise and you worship like you worship, but they don't know how much grace it has taken to get you to where you are today. That's why you gotta say sometimes, excuse me, lady, if I step on your purse, excuse me if I, if, I, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I get too radical, excuse me if I get too free, but you don't understand like I know what the Lord has done for me. I'm here because of grace. Tell somebody in your neighborhood it's all grace. It's all grace. There are a couple of things about this grace. 
in this scenario, in this story that can't be ignored. Remember this woman is caught in the act and according to Levitical law, both she and the man should have been stoned. Where's the man? Oh, it's quiet in here. The man seems to have done his thing and he's gone. Where's the man at? The man is nowhere to be found. The situation is not only a setup, it's inequitable. It's unfair. It just ain't right. What was worthy of death for the woman is fine and dandy for the man. Oh, it's quiet in here now. She sinned and he sinned. But where's he at? She sinned, he sinned, and the Pharisees were sinning. Because of their deception and their haughtiness and their hatefulness, there was plenty of sin to go around. But in their jaded, pharisaical, religious eyes, only the woman was guilty. Let me give you a side note here, baby. Watch out for those religious leaders who expect you to live a standard that they themselves ignore. That was worth the price of admission. I'm tired of preachers who preach one thing and live another, who tell you about heaven and walk out and live like hell. It's time again for there to be a restoring of the pulpit where there is righteous voices in the land. God, I need somebody to give the Lord a praise if you believe it. I mean, the woman's there. Where's the man? The Pharisees are sinning, but it's unfair. And I want to tell you, if you just look at this, it seems like for this poor woman, the game is over. End of the story. But something happened in that moment. It was unfair. The woman is there. The rascal she was with ain't there. The Pharisees are sinning and they are there. But so is Jesus. And so is the X factor. So is grace. And I'm gonna tell you something religious people don't want you to know. I'm gonna tell you something the devil wishes that I wouldn't say today. But baby, grace levels the playing field. Can I find some real folk in here today? Grace levels the playing field. It doesn't matter how far you're falling. It doesn't matter how deep you've gotten, baby. When you walk in, grace levels the playing field. I dare somebody right now who knows that grace has leveled the playing field. Give God a praise. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, give me a minute to give God a praise. Grace level the playing field. Come on and praise him right now. I shouldn't even be here today, but grace level the playing field. I had some issues, but grace level the playing field. Grace gives us all access to forgiveness. 
no matter what anyone says. I don't care what religion has tried to tell you, young person. I don't care how many times the devil has whispered in your ear, you're not worthy. You can't be forgiven. Grace levels the playing field. Some of y'all been dealing with critics, and in spite of the critics and in spite of the folk that don't think you're saved right now, can I talk to real people? I have people get on, I get on my social media, they think they're going to tell me off. That Jim Rayleigh. They get on my social media and they say, oh, he cares about skinny jeans, big screens, and fog machines. Come on, somebody. And they think their criticalness is going to have an effect on me. Let me tell you, I have been at this too long. I have seen God do too much in my life. And do you think a Facebook comment is going to mess me up? Hey, I know everything I am. I am because of grace. And in the name of Jesus, you need to silence the critics and say, thank you, Lord. I'm here because of grace. Tell everybody in your neighborhood, it's all grace. The critics were looking at Jesus and the woman and, and maybe they were slyly smiling at each other. The Pharisees are smiling at each other and say, now we got him. We got him now. We, we got him now. We've hooked him now. He won't know what to do between Roman law and Jewish law. But here's what I love. Here's what I love. And with his finger, Jesus wrote on the ground as if he heard them not. I just love the last part of it. As if he heard them not. They were badgering Jesus. They were accusing Jesus. But Jesus went on about his business. He acted like they weren't even there. He acted like he didn't even hear them. He didn't even acknowledge him. Them, they had no power over Jesus. And because they had no power over Jesus, they had no power over the woman. Hallelujah. Jesus just went on about his business. I have a word for somebody here today. Grace gives you the power to ignore the critics. I need somebody that's ready to ignore the critics. Give God a praise right now. Maybe you've been talked about. Maybe you've been gossiped about. Maybe you've been slandered. But grace gives you the power to ignore the critics. Jesus went on about his business. Tell your neighbor, go on about your business. In fact, the Bible says in Luke 19, 13, occupy till I come. That means do business. So what I'm trying to tell you is this. Let them talk. Let them connive. Let them scheme. Let them criticize. Let them run their mouths. Let them attack. Let them slander. Let them do whatever they want to do. You just go about your business and you do what God has called you to do. Tell somebody, say, do business. Your business is to love and trust God. Walk by faith. Pray. Put the Lord first. Have joy anyway. Have victory anyway. Tell somebody, I'm going to succeed anyway. But they didn't believe you. Say, I'm going to be blessed anyway. Tell them, I'm going to have joy anyway. I'm going to move forward anyway. 
Yeah, because no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. Don't give the critics the power. So he writes on the ground with his finger. Now this is powerful because this is the very same God who was responsible for writing the word by the power of the Holy Ghost. In other words, your Bible is the heart and mind of Jesus perfectly expressed. So Jesus, don't miss it, he always has been and he always will be God. Jesus is writing while they are talking. Please don't miss this. What God has written about you and for you in his word has more powerful, has more power than the words of every critic in your life combined. Come on now. That finger that wrote in the sand, it's the same expression and same heart of a God who wrote this Bible right here. So when the critics speak out against you, it doesn't matter what they say. You can open your Bible and say, let me tell you what the Lord wrote about me. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am more than a conqueror. The Lord is on my side. I'm a member of the chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What has been written in this book about you? I better give this back to you. This Pastor Christian's right here. I knew I felt something. Come on. What the book says about you is greater than what anybody's opinion is. Some of y'all been going through it. Some of y'all been fighting the enemy. Some of y'all been dealing with the devil. Some of y'all been dealing with the devil in your own family. Come on now. Some of y'all been dealing with problems and issues and people speaking out against you. But I've come to let you know that the critics don't have the final say. I've come to let you know it's time to rise up and you need to believe that God is on your side. And if God is for me, then who can be against me? So watch this. She comes on the scene. She's thrust at his feet. She's in the midst of Christ and the critics. Grace is on one side and the critics are on the other. And they're just itching for the opportunity. Number one, to entrap Jesus. And number two, to justify stoning this woman. Jesus sits down, starts riding in the sand, and I don't know what he wrote. I'd love to see it. I wish I could have been there, but it must have been significant because when he stands up, he said, let any one of you who is without sin 
be the first one to throw a stone at her. In that moment, Jesus cut through all the critical religious judgmental bravado and said, in essence, before you do this, you better make sure that you're standing on the moral high ground to be able to do this with this to this woman. These men wanted to talk about this woman, but Jesus wanted to talk about them. Be careful when you try to deal with others. If your heart's not right, God will deal with you. They saw this woman's whoredom, but Jesus saw their hypocrisy. They were worse off than her because she doesn't deny her sin. They won't admit that they have any. And I want you to see this thing. Jesus offers her in a moment scandalous grace. He lands on the side of a woman that they all despised. They were identifying her sin. One side note, don't judge someone because they sin differently than you do. Where are y'all at? She had sin in her life, they had sin in their life. Don't you dare judge somebody because they sin differently than you do. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. I got my stone now. I'm gonna take her down now. I'm gonna look spiritual. Come on, somebody. Can I tell you that dragging somebody else down doesn't make you rise higher? The stepping out somebody else's light doesn't make your light burn brighter. See this woman now. Here she is, broken, afraid, feeling guilty, unworthy, struggling, impure, unacceptable. And they've got the stones in their hands. And they're ready to destroy her. Today and every Sunday, people walk into our church and they're caught between Christ and the critics. Is, is that who I think it is? Man, I knew her in college. She's a, she's, she's a hoochie. That girl was a hoochie. I remember we used to party together. She's a hoochie. Guess what? You was a hoochie too. She's a hoochie, guess what? The only reason you knew, because she was at the same party she was at. Oh, it's getting quiet in here now. Is that who I think it is? What's that guy doing in here? He's a womanizer. 
He used to go to Rizal's. That's a club. I don't know nothing about it. I was going to say Pastor Josh told me about it, but I ain't going to say that. There's a club in Daytona called Razzles. From what I've been there, I promise you. Oh, he, he used to go to Razzles. The only reason you know is because you was there with him. Oh, I know her. She gossiped. I know him. He was untruthful. What makes Calvary home is not that we are a church filled with perfect people. What makes Calvary home and a place where lives can be restored is not because we got it all together. It's not because we did it just right or lived it just right or we've done everything just perfectly. No, we've been flawed. This, this room is full of flawed people and you have a flawed pastor. And the only reason I'm here is because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what makes Calvary special? You know what makes Calvary home? You know what makes Calvary a place where people can be restored and their lives can be put back together? You know what's been the lifeblood all these years, 26 years? Do you know why we've made it? Because we purpose in our heart. Calvary is a no stone throwing zone. I said Calvary is a no stone throwing zone. The woman is there and the religious folks have picked up their stones and they're ready to assassinate her. They're ready to kill her. They're ready to punish her. It looks like it's the absolute end. It looks like it's over. But I want you to read what happened. Jesus steps in. And grace manifest. And I want you to understand that Jesus looks at the woman and he said, Woman, after they had departed, after the religious folk had departed, Jesus looks at the woman and said, Woman, where are thine accusers? Where are the people that had the stones? Where are the people that wanted to destroy you and kill you? She said, go on, Lord. No one, Lord. They're not here. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now let me just hang my hat there for a minute. I want you to understand something. We at Calvary will never be a church where we don't speak truth. There'll never be a moment that we back down on what's right and what's wrong. We cannot afford to be unclear on matters of righteousness as it relates to the word of the Lord. Because this generation will take our silence on issues as permission. We have to speak to things, but we have to speak to things in love. 
We have to make sure that our heart's motivation is love. We have to make sure that when we speak to these issues that we speak in love. Even when I look at the LGBTQ plus community, they look at the church and they tell us you have only two options. You either affirm us or you hate us. We only give you two options, affirm us or hate us. But if we're gonna live the Bible, we can do neither one. We can't affirm you, nor can we hate you. We have to speak truth, but we have to love you right where you are. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We can't affirm sin. We can't stand up and excuse sin. We can't affirm it, but we also cannot hate the sinner and pick up a stone and not offer them grace. This generation said, you either have to affirm me or hate me. I can't do either. But what I can do is love you with a gospel that can redeem your entire world. Here's what I know. The grace of Christ will cause you to love at another level. I said it'll cause you to love at another level. You really ever get a taste of grace? You'll see somebody come in broken, wounded, weary. Come on, transsexual, transvestite. You'll see him come in addicted. You'll see him come in a womanizer. You'll see him come in messed up. And there'll be something in you that will say, Grace can set you free. Grace. Jesus looked at the woman, I want, you to, I want you to understand the process because this is important. Look at me in the eyes because if you miss this, you're gonna miss the crux of this message. Jesus looked at the woman and said, woman, where are your accusers? Where are they at? She said, gone, Lord. One translation said, gone, Lord. The translation we read said, no one, Lord, they're gone. And here's what makes this story kind of put to another level. Jesus first said, neither do I condemn you. He didn't say, you got to follow this set of religious rules. He didn't put the Ten Commandments in front of her first. He didn't say you gotta do this, 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 you gotta join my church, you gotta behave like this, you gotta, he just said neither do I condemn you. Then he said go and sin no more. See, it was not religious rules that changed that woman's life. All the religious rules of the Pharisees couldn't change her life or her lifestyle. What gave her the power to go and sin no more was her response to the grace and love of Jesus. What gives people the opportunity to change is not our rules. I don't live like I live because of rules. 
I live because I live. I like I live because I'm responding to grace that I did not deserve. And that kind of love makes me want to walk. This kind of walk. When will we realize that people aren't changed by rules? People are changed by grace. If I'm counting on serving God because of rules and regulations, I'm going to fail. But if I serve the Lord because of grace, because I love Him, then I'll live that. You know why I'm faithful to my wife? Because I'm scared of her. No. I am kind of scared of her. I'm faithful to her because I love her. I don't want to ever have to look in the eyes of my daughters and them know that I was unfaithful to their mother. I'm not faithful to you, Dawn, because of rules. I'm faithful to you because I love you. I don't want to be dishonoring in any way to my parents. My dad was love on wheels. My mother struggled. My mother had issues, and I don't want to throw off on her. Praise God, I believe she's in heaven, but my mother battled with some things that were very difficult, and it made it difficult on my dad. And there were ways that my dad didn't experience marriage and life in the way that he would have wanted to. And I remember when I, before he died, we were talking about marriage. And he said, son, you know, he said, I had all kind of opportunities to step out on your mom. And he went all the way back to the 70s, he said there was a woman in the church here in this city that offered herself to me. He said when we were in the Bahamas, there were two women that came to me and said at the last church, we took care of the pastor, we'd like to take care of you in this physical way. I mean darkness. There was, my mom had a very close friend and the woman came to my dad and said, I'd, I'd make myself available to you. I know the issues with you and Dorothy. And I, I, for just a minute, I was a lot younger then. I, I stepped away, and I, y'all pray for me. I wasn't the apostle in that moment. 
I wasn't the pastor. I was just a son and just a man. And I looked at my dad. And I said, Dad, why didn't you? I know what you were living through. Why didn't you? He looked at me with his blue eyes, the color of the ocean. Tears welled up in his eyes. And he's an old man now on his way to heaven. He said, well, son, because I promised, and it didn't matter what she did, it mattered what I did. He said, I said, but dad, what about your relationship? He said, I love Jesus too much to do something like that. You know what kept him? It wasn't rules or regulations. You know what kept him? It was a love for the Lord. In that moment, my dad went from his little 5'11 body to like 10 feet tall. And I'm telling you, it won't be our rules that'll keep people. It won't be our regulations that'll keep people. It'll be grace extended. It'll be love. That will change people's lives. In that moment, honey, That woman was a stone's throw away from death, but she was also a stone's throw away from a brand new life. Tell somebody you're just a stone's throw away. Yeah, yeah, do you need healing? You're just a stone's throw away. Do you need a new beginning? You're just a stone's throw away. Do you need your marriage restored? You're just a stone's throw away. Do you need to be delivered? Oh, it's nigh at hand. You're just a stone so away. Somebody stand to your feet and give God a praise right now. If you're going to set aside your stones and you're going to receive grace this morning. So, I want you, nobody moving, nobody walking out. If you don't mind, there's nothing more important than this moment. The thing about Calvary that I want you to know is this. There's a place for you. I don't care what you've struggled with. You can be assimilated, loved into this family. We've had people come. You remember that day that you preached on the blood? And there was a, you thought a woman that came forward and repented and cried and came back the next week dressed as a man. That person had their life changed on the spot. And he's just recently, he moved a few years back, but stayed in our church for over 10 years and serves the Lord today. Come on, somebody in Jesus' name. We've had people come with brokenness, addictions, problems, regret, the past, sin. Everybody's sin is not the same. But what's made it work was we put our stones aside and we said there's a place for you at Calvary. It's important that you invite the lost here. 
It's important that you make up in your mind that Calvary's a place. We've got cards for you. We, we try to make it as easy for you as possible. We make you invite cards because we want people to know there is grace for you in this house. You can get these cards in the back. But with heads bowed and eyes closed, I can't say enough how much I want you to bring the lost in this place. I can't say enough how much I want you to invite people to come to this church because there's grace in the house. In this room today, there are all kind of people. Here's what you got to know. There's all kind of people, but there's no stone throwers here today. We're not going to be those people. We're not going to be the church that makes excuse for sin and doesn't talk about it, but we're also not going to be the church that doesn't offer grace and love. Maybe you're in this room today and there's things in your life that ought not be there. There's things that alienate you and separate you from the Lord. And you'd say, Apostle, I'm not where I need to be with Jesus. And when you pray for somebody, I want you to pray for me. There's sin in my life. There's things I need to get under the blood. Apostle, I know I'm not going the direction that I need to go and I'm not seeing what I need to see because of the sin and the lack of surrender in my life. So when you pray, pray for me. Not trying to judge you, just trying to give you access to something a whole lot better. Grace. Maybe you feel like you're living in a world where you don't even know if it can be better than it is right now. I've come to tell you that it is possible that there's grace in this room. If you're here today across this crowd or online and you'd say, Apostle, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. When you pray for somebody, pray for me. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're going to pray, Apostle, pray for me because there's things in my life that ought not be there. If that's you, when I count to three, raise your hands. One, pray for me, Apostle. Two, I want to get some things right with God. Hands are already being lifted. Three, slip that hand up right now. Pray for me, Apostle. Pray for me, Apostle. I need to get to the feet of Jesus today. I need to find grace today. Come on. Hold your hand up. If you raised it up, keep it up. Young person, this is the moment. This is the moment. This is the moment. It doesn't matter what you've struggled with. This is the moment. If you say, Apostle, remember me. I'm going to lend you five more seconds. Five. Come on. Your new life is just a stone's throw away. Four. Remember me, Apostle. I see those hands still being raised. I see that couple back there. Bless your heart. Three. I see you, young person. Hold it up high. Two. I see you, ma'am. I see you in the overflow. Come on. Hold that hand up. Two. One. If you raise that hand up in your minute, just keep it up right now. Keep it up. Somebody next to you raised your hand. Just reach over and just touch them on the shoulder and bless them. If you raised your hand and you really didn't meant business and you want to see a change in your life, I want you to come forward and I want to pray with you. This, this step right here could change everything. If somebody next to you raised their hands, I want you to move back and I want you to make room for them to come forward. In fact, if they won't come by themselves, you just get them by the hand and you bring them with you. Come on. Come on. People are going to come across the room. If you're ready for a new beginning, move out right now. 
if you're ready for a fresh start come on you won't come by yourself come on I want that couple to come I want that young man to come I want that young lady to come here they come the floodgates are opening now the floodgates are opening now this is what happens when you set your stones aside this is what happens when you set your stones aside oh redemption is in the room here they come y'all clap oh here they come redemption is in the room welcome home come on welcome home welcome home I bet if you'll keep clapping they'll keep coming oh hallelujah I bet if you'll just rejoice people are finding new lives no stones allowed here no stones allowed here oh I'm gonna wait because I feel like people are still coming ah, I hear your Holy Spirit I feel like the whole there you go girls come on there you go come on there you go come on I'll wait for you the Holy Spirit just put his foot in the door y'all it's happening right now people are coming to the feet of Jesus they're coming to the feet of Jesus they're coming to the feet of Jesus Redemption is here. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, yes, run. One little girl said, I'm running now. I'm running to the mercy seat. Come on, sir. Come on, lady. Come on, come on. Come on, come from the back. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. The trajectory of your life is changing. If you'll give it all to Jesus, it'll change forever. give you 10 more seconds I see you. God's dealing with somebody up in the in the stadium overflow if you need to come come right now I see you sir bring that baby and bring yourself God said I'm changing generations right now the Lord said I'm changing generations right now 10 9 8 come on 7 Six, five, four, don't miss it, three, if you need to come, come right now, two, one, I want everybody in this place to take your hand and put it right on your heart. And I want you all that are here to pray to look at me right in the eyes. I want you to look at me. Hey there, young ladies. I believe in y'all. I want you to know that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your struggle is. God will change your life today. What's your name, son? What's your name? Jermaine? You're a good-looking kid. You know what I believe? I believe you got the makings, the makings of a mighty man of God. That's what I see in you. 
That's what I see. What's your name? Come here. Who are you? Adriana, take my hand. How old are you? 23. You know, God's got such a plan for your life. I know you're going to cry. That's okay. Come here, let me minister to you. Take my hand. So many people have let you down. But here today, your life is about to change. You're going to find out. Oh, man. You feel the Holy Spirit, don't you? God's about to change your life for the good. So I'm going to talk to you like a dad, okay? talk to you like a dad I believe in you I believe in your purpose I believe in your future and today you made the best step you could ever make I want everybody to take your hand and put it on your heart right here right now see this is what happens when you put your stones down. This is what happens. All of a sudden people find out, man, I got some hope. God's got a plan. It's not our rules that change their lives. It's grace. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Look at me right in the eyes. I know maybe you've struggled, but I don't condemn you. You're about to have an encounter with the Lord that's going to change you forever. Hand on your heart. Raise your other hand. Pray this prayer after me loud and strong. Pray, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you, and I'm asking you, please forgive me for all my sins. Take my heart. Wash it clean in your precious blood. Lord, I've struggled, but I'm thankful that I found my way and I got to your feet. I give you praise that your plan for my life is great and wonderful. I surrender my past. I surrender my struggles. Wash me. Clean me. Renew me. And I declare from this day forward, I'm a child of the King. And I'll never, 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 never be the same again in Jesus' name. All you clap. All y'all rejoice. Altar workers, reach out. Y'all stretch your hands toward them. Pastor Josh is going to come and pray us out of here. But I want you to stretch your hands toward him and Pastor Josh is going to pray over us. But I don't want you to miss the opportunity to invite the lost into this moment. We've got a plan for these. We're going to assimilate them into this family. We're going to welcome them home. If you're visiting today, I want to tell you, welcome home. I'd love to meet you. Is anybody thankful for it, Jesus? That is... Come on. That is full of grace and mercy. 
can we just slip up our hands? Let me bless you as you go today. Nothing more needs to be added to this. If you're a first-time guest, yes, we want to meet you, but nothing more needs to be added. Father, thank you for grace and mercy. I thank you, Lord, that your goodness and your mercy follow us all the days of our lives. That every step we take now with you, we are accompanied by grace and mercy, goodness and mercy. I pray, Lord, that from this day forward, we walk in it, we move in it, Lord. We minister from it. And Father, Lord, we shout from the rooftops of how you've changed our lives. Father, Lord, we thank you for your presence today right here at Calvary. Lord, we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Well, God bless you. We love you. If you're a first-time guest, one more time, make sure that you go to Guest Central, meet Apostle Pastor Dawn. We love you. If you need prayer, our prayer team is right here today to minister to your needs. And for everyone who's given your life to Jesus, make sure you take time, share it with somebody. We're here to help you on your way. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next week right here at Calvary. Thanks for watching the message. I'm sure this spoke to you. Here's what I want you to do. Why don't you subscribe to this YouTube channel? That way, every time there's a new message, you'll get to hear it. Also, many of you have watched this. Some of you watch on a regular basis. Why not take time and sow? You can give at calvaryfl.com. You can give on your phones, and you can be a part of helping us take this message around the world, the message of hope the message of Jesus Christ. Can't wait to see you back here real soon.